Welcome back, Dad, to the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. Uh, this is Podcast 15 from the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. Today's podcast is entitled, Jesus Moves to Capernaum, which is taken from Matthew 4, 13 through 17. I'm Pastor Kenny Birch Jr., Associate Pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church, and I have here and stuff. <laughs> Intros have been too long. Yeah. And I'm joined by my father, Dr. Ken Bird Sr., a senior pastor at Colmer Manor Bible Church and a man who does a lot of stuff. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so we don't have long. That's right. You know, you watch sometimes videos and the introductions are so long. It's yeah. like, when is the content actually beginning? That's why we don't even have a jingle or anything. Cause that's right. Sometimes it's like, okay, when do, can we get to it? Right. So, um, today's topic. We're going to see in life and in ministry, we all face terrible circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, we have lots of stories, both of us. Yeah. We face times when people want to hurt us emotionally, financially, socially, and maybe even physically. Mm. Uh, I was thinking that maybe one day we could even do a podcast on talking about some of the different troubles we have faced uh, in the ministry, because I know we could go on for hours with stories of hardships yeah. Um, usually a lot of good outcomes, but a lot of discouragement. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to see how Jesus dealt with that today. Yeah. Uh, it is encouraging when you are going through difficult times to know that other believers have faced the same right. thing. I find that true in many aspects of the Christian life. Yeah. I remember when Becca and I had our first miscarriage, and mm. it kind of felt like we were all on an island but then other believers start telling you, yeah, we had it, we had That's it. And right. before you know, yeah. there's so many people. And that just kind of brings you comfort. It's the same when you stand up for what's right and people go at you. It's good to know that other people <laughs> have gone through the same thing. Uh, today's main question is, how did Jesus respond to seemingly bad circumstances? Mm. Uh, his friends and hometown wanted to kill him. That's right. How many people would simply say, I need a vacation, I need some mental break, I need, mm -hmm. I need time? Mm -hmm. However, we will learn from the text how Jesus responded to this rejection. So anything you want to add before we roll into the text? No, this is uh, so relatable to us, and we trust everybody um, watching or listening today. We go through stuff, and it's intentional, and oftentimes God designs our trials, as both of us have experienced, then not only get through it to relate to Jesus, but then encourage others that, hey, you have to press on, whether it's been that bad boss or, you know, you're in ministry, you've trained someone and it turns out to be Absalom. Oh. And so this is something that I know will be used greatly um, because it, Jesus just shows us what we need to do in the midst of um, persecution and yeah. just hardship. Hardship, <laughs> hardship. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for this text today. That's what I love about this podcast. Yeah. We're just looking at verses, you know, 13 through 17. That's right. It's not a crazy lot. If you're reading your devotions, mm -hmm. you're done it in 15 seconds, right. this little section, yeah. where uh, this is a big life change. Any of us who have moved mm. knows what mm -hmm. a big change this can be. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to the text. And I would also add with our trials we face, how Men can use it for evil, but, uh, you know, God uses it for good. That's right. And how God is, I truly believe, the redeemer of bad circumstances. Mm -hmm. Because uh, some people say that, you know, Jesus intentionally puts you in these horrible, horrible circumstances. And sometimes there may be some truth to it where we go through 
things that seem bad, mm -hmm. but I think he also allows us just to go through them, to mature, to grow. Absolutely. And uh, when there's vicious people out there who want to hurt you, uh, God can redeem that too. So I think that gives us a lot of comfort. There's uh, two aspects. You know, Paul says that I might know him, and we all want to know our Lord, uh, the power of his resurrection, but then he says, and the fellowship of his suffering. Mm -hmm. So we enter in. Uh, to uh, Jesus's life through the trials and sufferings we we endure. Yeah, that's how we grow. That's so. how we grow. So the text says, and this is if you have a Bible and want to join us, as long mm -hmm. as you're not driving, uh, Matthew 4, <laughs> verse 13, it says, He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea mm -hmm. in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. So we're not going to rehash what yeah. we talked about too much. Last time in uh, Luke 4, sure. when Jesus' hometown tried to kill him, mm -hmm. just very quickly, he went into synagogue, he was preaching, he was worshiping, he read from Isaiah 61. Mm -hmm. He said that he fulfilled the mess messianic prophecy. Uh, his hometown, they liked his words, but they hated his message. Mm -hmm. So they decided that they were going to kill him. Uh, Jesus said he wouldn't perform miracles for their entertainment. So mm -hmm. they took him to the cliff, tried to throw him off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, he either miraculously or somehow walked right through the crowd. He's survived, obviously. Mm -hmm. And verse 30 of Luke 4 says, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Yeah. So after all of that drama, mm -hmm. we see what happens from Matthew. So it says he left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea. Mm -hmm. So from my estimations, Jesus traveled about 20 miles from Nazareth to Capernaum. Um, in modern times, that doesn't seem very far. If you're walking it, that's, that's, that's a, a distance. nice distance. So yeah. it wasn't like you moved right next door. Same region, but uh, still 20 miles of separation. So a little history here. When the tribe settled in Israel, the region around Capernaum was given to the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali. Mm -hmm. Jacob's first wife, Leah, who I always feel so bad for. Oh, yeah. She she had it rough. She had it horribly. Uh, I even look at uh, Rachel, and she has her little household idol, and yeah. uh, she's loved the most, but here's Leah. But then again, I guess Joseph was a good son, but that's a debate for another day, everything going on. But Jacob's mm -hmm. first wife, Leah, had a son named Zebulon, and Bilhah, one of Jacob's concubines, had a son named Naphtali. Yeah. So during the time of Isaiah, around 700 B.C., Galilee, um, which was a part of the northern kingdom, fell to the Assyrians, and the Jews were deported. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of setting up our background, showing why this is kind of a Gentile region. A pagan people settled and populated the land. Israel would one day take retake the land, but the population was filled with Gentiles and their pagan influence. So that's why when people say, you know, can any good thing come from Nazareth? People mm -hmm. go to Capernaum. Um, that region, there was just a lot of Gentiles in there. This area is fascinating because there's a history and a parallel uh, that's taking place. Um, to give you a date and a, and a great name, uh, 732 B.C., Tiglath-Pileser III. Now, I know, <laughs> you know your wife is expecting, we just learned recently, it's going to be a boy, Tiglath, and then Pileser. And then if you get three, it's just like the best. But an Assyrian uh, king uh, conquered this region that's mentioned here. But the parallel is, it's interesting now that Jesus is relocating from Nazareth 
uh, there. He's going to Capernaum. He'll spend 18 to 20 months there. That's a long time in one region, but it's suppressed by the Romans. Mm. But then we have Gentiles living here. But there's just the parallels yeah. are very interesting. Yeah. So we're just going to see how this is going to fulfill prophecy. Yeah. And that's what Matthew makes the point of. And yes, I'm excited that I'm going to have another son. Amen. <laughs> uh, this will be my fourth child. So we're looking at the name Clark and having a big debate over the middle name. Yeah. So we, we Take will- Take and make it. <laughs> Take we'll, we'll and make I like cut. Clark. Okay. But, that's right. Uh, we'll figure that all out later. But uh, kind of as a joke, well, it wasn't a joke. I always liked the, uh, this is totally side note, but it's a podcast. We can talk. Um, I like the name. I always liked the hockey player, Paul Coffey. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a huge hockey fan. And uh, I, I always, I told Becca it would be awesome, kind of as a joke, first to have the baby called Clark Coffey. You know, not spelled like the drink, but <laughs> but uh, now my, I've been trying to get my daughters to convince Becca because it's like, I kind of like Clark Coffey, you know, or Coffey family. I know it's spelled different. But uh, so what happens? Oh, my daughters, everywhere they go, they say, Mommy's having a baby. It's going to be Clark Coffey. So <laughs> we have some other uh, names uh, in the hat, but we'll, we'll figure that out. But it's kind of fun. Bribery is what works best with daughters. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Figure if they can say it enough, it might stick. So, uh, but as we see, uh, getting back to the text, uh, verse 14. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And this is taken from Isaiah 61, which we will look at shortly. A mm-hmm. very uh, popular passage, we know, but we'll save that for a minute. Verse 15 says, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus recorded that many Gentiles lived in Galilee, Along those he mentioned, among those he mentioned were the Egyptians, the Arabs, and Greeks. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't a pure Jewish right. area at all. We're just making the point that Jesus is going into a very busy port area mm-hmm. in the sense that there's fishing, there's commerce, there's trade. Um, so it attracted a lot of Gentiles also just because the people were displaced yeah. and, you know, other people were put in their place. And yeah. then when they return, all those people are still there. So it's kind of a melting pot of mm. cultures. Mm-hmm. So because Nazareth rejected Jesus, he would share his message with many Gentiles in Galilee, just as Isaiah has said. As we have seen, this is the Gentile-filled region of Capernaum. Yeah. Now, make it clear he was sent to the Jews. Okay, We don't want to rewrite the message, mm-hmm. but a lot of Gentiles heard, heard his message. And it makes sense why later um, the church would become predominantly Gentile, (laughs) Um, mostly because of Paul, but Gentiles would have been hearing the messages. Uh, They would have been thinking about these things. So verse 16 says, and this is the prophecy, Mm -hmm. the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Makes me think of Michael Card's song. I'm singing it in my head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how he just took those lyrics. That's right. But Jesus, the light of the world, would spend most of his ministry shining his light in this city. Mm. Now, sadly, a lot of the city would end up rejecting him. Yeah. So he'll end up cursing the city. Mm-hmm. But this prophecy is from Isaiah 9 uh, and is a famous passage. Verse 6, we know, for a child will be born for us 
a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah is looking at both the first and second comings of Christ with a heavy focus on the second coming when Jesus will put down Israel's enemies and the government will be on his shoulders. However, Matthew also applies Isaiah 9, 1 through 2 to Jesus's first coming. And this is always, I think, confusing for people. Sure. It's good to understand that not even Isaiah truly knew all that he was prophesying about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's told the truth. He tells the truth. But uh, him and many of the other prophets did not understand the distinctions between Jesus's first and second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people thought these events would be one. Yeah. Messiah would come, defeat his enemies, set up the kingdom. They did not know about the mystery of the church age right. and the time between Jesus's first and second coming. Uh, his birth and resurrection, and his second coming, which was coming from the sky on the white horse at Armageddon to strike down the enemies of Israel. So before we look at Isaiah 9, anything you want to add before we we look at this prophecy real quick? The scripture is rich. Uh, Peter, uh, speaking about the Old Testament prophets, says that some of them really didn't get fully what they wrote. And we need to understand that and but have an appreciation because now we're looking back in hindsight, having the completed revelation and how exciting it is to be able to split apart because we understand the first and the second coming. So we're, we're very privileged. Yeah. I, I always tell the children I teach and the young adults, it's a privilege that we have the complete word of God. That's right. And obviously we have a lot of mystery before us. Mm-hmm. We know how things end up but it will be exciting getting there. Yeah. But uh, these people had no clue. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> they, that's probably why Daniel, when he saw these prophecies, got sick to his yeah. stomach because it's like, this makes no sense. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine taking a man from uh, that time period and sticking him into the future where he's seen you know, World War III, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, mm-hmm. World War, whatever you want to call it with the yeah. end times. And just seeing that technology, the supernatural things happening. So, yeah. But let's look really quick at Isaiah uh, chapter 9 mm-hmm. and see the distinctions between Jesus's first and second coming. Now, this is the problem with the podcast. When I taught this to my young adults, I would highlight with red, mm-hmm. first coming, blue, second coming. Sure. Um, but we'll just show, because I want people to see our audience to see that in prophecy, some are referring to first coming, some the second coming. Mm -hmm. But when you don't separate it, it kind of becomes a jumbled mess in your brain and people get confused. So verse nine, I should say chapter nine, verse one. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of former times Mm -hmm. when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea to the land east of the Jordan, and to the Galilee of the nations. And this is talking about his first coming. Jesus is going to come and bless those regions. Here he is, the seed of Abraham blessing the world. Mm -hmm. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, referring to Jesus. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. So obviously Jesus' first coming. But then it jumps to Jesus' second coming in verse Mm -hmm. 3. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressors, 
just as you did on the day of Midian. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen with Jesus's time. That's right. He came, he preached. He did not take out his enemies as he one day will. When you jump to verse five, for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodiest garments of war will be burned as fuel for mm. the fire. That's obviously wasn't his first coming, <laughs> the second. And then verse six is broken into two parts. And this is important for Christians to understand. Yes. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. First coming. That's right. And then it jumps to second coming. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Just in that one verse, you see the difference between the first coming and second coming. Because yeah. clearly the government was not upon Jesus' shoulders yeah. in his first com- coming. They they killed him. <laughs> so... um. And we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Well, when will they really know peace? When the Prince of Peace comes back the second time, puts down his enemies, and establishes his kingdom. So uh, you you see here, uh, and I love how you've laid it out. It people need to understand: first coming unto us, a, a son is given, a child is born, and then here we go with the Prince of Peace, Eternal Father, second coming. Yeah. yeah. So, and then our final verse, verse seven. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness for now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to cut people slack back in the day (laughs) because they would read this Isaiah passage and just think this is all one event. Yeah. And they did not know there would be over 2,000 years between these events. So uh, Jesus had some mystery here with the church coming and all. And this ties in beautifully with 2 Samuel 7, because to David, who wanted to build God a house for the temple, was promised an eternal house, throne, kingdom. Luke 1 ties this in with Jesus Christ, of course, but we know it's not until the second coming that this will be established. So, yeah, it's not all at one time. That's right. So now with all of this in mind, because Matthew, the the author of this book, he's very Jewish. And in my mind, it's funny that here's the Jewish man who is the tax collector trader, but yet he's the one who cares all about Jewish prophecy. Yeah. So just kind of an interesting fact how his personality must have been. Mm -hmm. But he knows that his audience understood this. That's right. They understood this concept. It's more for the modern audience or the Gentile audience that we're looking at this. So with all this in mind, let's look back at our passage. This was fulfilled, and this is speaking of Jesus moving to Capernaum. This was fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Mm -hmm. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then we see in verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, Jesus continues to teach the same message, which John taught, repent of your sin, why? Because the kingdom has come. There's a transition, by the way, that no. I think is beautiful from uh, Matthew's gospel, because from 1-1 to 4-11, you have the presentation of the king. In other words, mm, yeah. Matthew's saying, let me introduce Jesus to you. But now, uh, from 4-12 through the end of the Sermon on the Mount, 7-29, 
we have the proclamation of the king. And here is Jesus. And, and the words are just powerful. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the proclamation. And Jesus is saying, repent. The kingdom is here. It's coming. <laughs> and why was the kingdom near? It's because the king has come. That's right. I mean, he was offering them the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, in his mind, he knew the people would reject it. Um, but he still came and offered it. Mm -hmm. He was he was giving it to them. But Jews and Gentiles in Capernaum would believe in King Jesus and join in his spiritual kingdom. Some of them, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one day will be part of his physical kingdom. The people of Nazareth were foolish because they kicked out the king. Yeah. But their foolishness would be Capernaum's blessing. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we're speaking generalities here. There are some from Nazareth who probably believed. Yeah. And then there's many from Capernaum who didn't. But in all in all, it's just showing how Jesus moved and he taught and people would be saved right. that before yeah. wouldn't even have heard the message. Hmm. I like what the Bible knowledge commentary states. Mm -hmm. Isn't that from Dallas? That's Dallas. Dallas Theological yes. Seminary, mm -hmm. where you went. So um, the twofold message of John was now proclaimed by the Messiah. Mm. The work of God was rapidly moving towards the establishing of the glorious kingdom of God on earth. If one wanted to be part of the kingdom, he must repent. Repentance was mandatory if fellowship with God was to be enjoyed because the people were in sin and they had to turn from that and That's turn right. to the Lord. That's right. So um, before we look at our applications, anything you want to uh, add to that? I always like to ask just so I don't oh, talk I, over I know, you. I appreciate that. No, um, looking forward to getting into the applications here because we can show... Uh, some of the correlation as far as rejection, Jesus's mm. rejection, and how it should relate to us today. So no, go ahead and roll into okay. it because I think that's where we want to be now. So yeah. here's the timeless truths from yeah. the passage. Uh, one, and uh, we just have to, Jesus was focused on his mission, not rejection. Yeah. That's, and before I roll in, that's so important. Yeah. Uh, I, you could even say he was focused on his mission and not uh, popularity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, you think of our ministry, we do a lot of online. Mm -hmm. And you can't be swayed by popular demands. Because mm -hmm. um, we would totally shift our ministry if it was just to please everyone online or to that's please right. everyone. We would be doing totally different topics. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just wouldn't be the same. So Jesus understood his mission in the same way that we should. And we should not worry about rejection. Yeah. Um our mission is something we need to carry out. So what seemed like bad circumstances could have derailed Jesus's focus. However, he simply moved to another town and was used by God to bring the light of salvation to the Gentiles and to fulfill an ancient prophecy. Jesus was not controlled by the rejection and loss of popularity. It did not rattle him or change his mission. And if I could tell pastor, anyone, uh, focus on your mission, your identity in Christ, and don't worry about rejection. I think the um, thing most of us who have suffered would redo is probably not spending so much time thinking about those who have hurt us. Uh, it's easy when someone is uh, taken out the dagger and stuck it in your back to keep looking in that direction. And it totally takes you away from what we need to do. Jesus, of course, was hurt. This, this was the group of people he had grown up with. But yet he understood that the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which was lost. And the reality is, once you have rejection and you're part of that, there's something special around the corner for you. We know this experientially. 
for Paul. He's he's ministering to the uh, Jewish people. They totally shut him down. He says, okay, I'm over here to the Gentiles. Well, he did a little something right. <laughs> with the Gentiles and becoming the apostle to the Gentiles. So rejection, look at it from God's point of view and just keep with the mission and you'll be so glad that you did. And sometimes God has to clean house. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he has to remove uh, people who hurt you or people who would try to hold you down. That's right. And uh, because he has a purpose that you can't always see through it. That's right. So uh, a question to ask yourself about this. Do I look past my bad circumstances and see the good things God may accomplish? Mm-hmm. Or do I let myself be defined by the opinions of others? So we have to be careful not to let bad circumstances define us. That's right. Uh, people love that. Mm-hmm. So many people's identity is found in the horrible things they have faced. Mm-hmm. Where true those things happen, yeah. but our identity is found in Christ. And you know, he gives us a special identity we find in kingdom principles. So thoughts. Do I have the same mindset that Jesus had? Jesus did not let opposition keep him from doing ministry. Do I? And also, do I keep focus when people reject my message? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, we're not people pleasers. Jesus understood his time was limited. Uh, he was focused on his mission of preaching the gospel. He fulfilled prophecy and didn't let his whole hometown trying to kill him derail his ministry. <laughs> yeah. I think of uh, Paul, because I just worked through Galatians uh, about a year ago, and the first two chapters, he's defending his apostleship. But the only reason he does that is because he writes scripture and he has a ministry, so he needed to defend it. But he wasn't consumed about what anybody thought about him or he wouldn't have gotten Peter's face and and corrected the lead apostle. (laughs) And we need to be exactly the same way. We wouldn't even know about some of the things Paul had experienced, even being caught up to the the third heaven, if we didn't have 2 Corinthians. There's an entire book about him defending his apostleship. But he's always moving forward to get the gospel out. And that's what we need to be doing, not make it about ourselves and personality or living off of, you know, I had spent my time in jail and, you know, and that's all you ever tell (laughs) your body. You know, you haven't learned anything since then, (laughs) but, uh, you know, we can draw attention to ourselves through what we've gone through. Yeah. And you can use it as a testimony, but then it should always go to Christ and then you should constantly be growing. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then point two, Jesus overcame rejection and brought light to a godless town. Uh, Jesus, the king, boldly preached that the people should repent of their sin and be saved, for the kingdom was coming. Rejection from his hometown did not stop him from preaching. Uh, We actually preached the same basic message today. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we preached Christ crucified and rose from the dead, Mm. but we're preaching the kingdom. The kingdom's coming, the king's coming, the judge is coming. Uh, God may cause us to live in areas that are famous for rejecting the gospel, However, we need to be like Jesus and keep on preaching and shining a light. I see a lot of people, sadly, they just try to go to places where all the Christians are. It's a lot easier to build a church in an area where a lot of Christians are than saying, hey, let's go to areas that are famous for rejecting the gospel. And let's go there because, as they say, when you go fishing, you don't go to a puddle. You go to the place where all the fish are that need to be caught. Yeah. And uh, that's what Jesus was doing. He's going to an area that there's a lot of unsaved souls. That's right. And uh, so many people, though, especially in our region, uh, they run. Mm-hmm. You know, they run from our area. I think you know we're so close to DC. And mm-hmm. We have some good churches around us. We have some, but many pastors just flee the area because of political views, 
because of immorality, um, because of all the propaganda that is constantly pushed in our face nonstop, that a lot of pastors are like, I'm just going to go to a nicer place. (laughs) And uh, we need to shine the gospel light, especially in our cities. Um, if obviously, if God's called you to the country, go and do it with all your passion. Uh, but you know, look at our cities. That's how it was with Capernaum. Yeah. It wasn't a great place, but Jesus went there to shine His light. Perhaps the number one reason people flee our region is the ethnic change, okay. and yeah, and we've far. seen that. And uh, people can run fast, but you have to determine where God wants you to be. And I think that's why I love David's mighty men. When you get the account of them. They had a piece of territory that they were to defend, and they'd put their lives on the line to do it. Well, spiritually speaking, if we get plunked down somewhere that is changing, becoming much more diverse, we're to make disciples of all nations. What a great place to be. Let's be in somewhere unsafe. Let's go to somewhere that um, you don't have all these wonderful amenities by being there. Uh, Jesus chose to grow up in in Nazareth, and I think we identify with that. But the power of God has been manifest because we have simply stayed where we're supposed to be, and we've seen God do some incredible things to give us an ethnic diversity that reflects our area. But it took decades. Uh, So exactly. It's just, uh, why don't we go somewhere sometimes unsafe, if that's where the Lord wants you to be. And we can't be worried about looking different, being different. Yeah. Um, yeah. it should be Christ crucified. Right. Now, I, I think of even when I did sports, I would walk into a basketball gym and I'd be the only white guy with like 400 people in the room. Yeah. But it didn't bother me because it's like, who cares? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not really looking at your color or saying, oh, you're this way or this way. It's, I'm a Christian. I need to shine my light. I'm going to talk to you and I don't care where you're from, who you are. That's right. Um, um, I, I hate the comment. I get it all the time because we're close to Washington, D.C., and not everyone's white. And people say, oh, you're like a missionary there. <laughs> it's like, because I, I talk to Hispanics and African-Americans and Asians, I'm a missionary. It's like, because people aren't white like you. you know, and that's what I always hear. But um, we just need to preach a gospel wherever we go. And uh, I, <laughs> if you think about it, it was the Jewish people who had to evangelize the white areas too. That's right. You know, they, the white people, the uh, that all the apostles, they went to those areas and started preaching after Jesus rose from the dead. So, that's right. Perspective. Yeah. You, know, you kind of have to sometimes deny your own people in a sense that you can't just say we're superior. Yeah. Uh, foolishness. So, uh, questions I need to ask myself. Does tragedy and rejection keep me from sharing the gospel? Have I been shamed into hiding my light? It's time to shine the gospel light in my town. So I think we have too many people who are ashamed, especially now. Um, We have so much shoved down our throats Mm -hmm. with immorality, especially Mm -hmm. where we live. That's Uh, right. Media, uh, just, you know. Truth isn't truth. Lies are truth. Mm-hmm. If you don't re- accept my truth, I hate you and you're a racist bigot. Mm-hmm. You know, put all your little uh, sayings you want there. But uh, we need to say, I don't really care what people are going to say. I'm going to shine the gospel light. Yeah. I'm going to give the gospel. And if I get rejected, so what? <laughs> I know what the future holds in heaven with Christ and the kingdom, which will be on earth. Uh, yeah. Thoughts. How often do I tell others about the kingdom of God? What does this tell me about my relationship with the Father? If I'm too afraid to talk, it tells me I 
need to work on my relationship with the Lord because mm-hmm. I'm fearing people more than God. That's right. And then uh, now to answer our main question, how did Jesus respond to seemingly bad circumstances? He did not let it derail his ministry or mission. He shrugged it off and carried out his father's will by preaching, you need to do the same. Yeah. Wherever God's put you, you just need to focus on your mission, uh, save souls and make disciples. Yeah. It, it's not complicated. And obviously live out the truth. Don't be a big hypocrite. That's right. <laughs> and uh, live it out. And uh, it's it's very simple. You know, I, I think of our church, our church slogan, if you want to call it that, you know, mm-hmm. finding the lost, training the found for God's glory. Yeah, that's simple. simple. Uh, anything you want to say before we end? I can remember early on in our ministry, going back over 30 years, and I had people accusing me from within. Uh, it was my fault we couldn't reach the diverse population. Uh, the rejection came, a group of people left. Uh, it took about a decade. There was uh, a lot of circumstances. And all of a sudden, when those people left, the diverse people came in, uh, whites, blacks, sure. Hispanics. And it's just like, just be encouraged when you have rejection, because there's something probably special just around a corner. And don't quit. Just press on with just being that uh, disciple-making person that you're called to be, and God will honor that. And then the proof is in the pudding. And then when time goes on and then people have been reached, they just see that, yeah, you are authentic. You weren't perfect in the process, but you were authentic. And and Jesus uses authentic people. Yeah. And uh, we we see that all the time with people. A lot of times you'll have troublemakers in churches. Yeah. But as soon as they're gone, there's some pain. But then that's when growth, that's, that's when true. maturing comes because you got to clean out the dead wood and yeah. uh, God knows how to do that better than anyone. That's right. So uh, we thank God for his, his mercy. Mm. So uh, that was podcast 15. Jesus moves to Capernaum from Matthew 4, uh, 13 through 17 in the Jesus said that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward in a couple weeks, we'll be going to the IFCA convention. Yeah. And uh, we're actually going to give away a couple of these cups here. Yeah. Not these same ones, because that would be kind of nasty, but uh, some new ones. <laughs> and I, I look forward uh, to the convention and just uh, spending time with the uh, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And my kids are really looking forward to the little kids' class. So <laughs> We had the plan of going to this particular convention. COVID came, took us out. You and I will be displayers, uh, getting to show some of our, our ministries through writing, the animated series that you do, and then just to hang out with fellow uh, saints for that week will be just incredible. So shout out to the IFCA, yeah. uh, a good organization. Yes. So we'll see you next time. Yeah. And I'm really just excited. That was podcast 15. See you next time. See you.